What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio, and happy 2022! Yay! Happy New Year! It doesn't even seem real. I'm sorry. No, it this really doesn't. seem like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I still feel like I'm in 2020, but yes, it's 2022, and I feel like this episode, we're picking up where we left off. We left off with this idea of, uh, we're talking about books, of course, the planners, right? How to plan yes. the following year. And we're starting with a book that's called Everyday Witchcraft, Making Time for Spirit in a Too Busy World by Deborah Blake. And I feel like this goes right like hand in hand with that. I agree. And I didn't think about it until you said it, but it really does make a very good transition. Right? From like, um, all right, get planned into, all right, here's the things you could be planning. Exactly. And now this book does not give you dates. It doesn't say in January, do this. It's, it's just yeah. general everyday witchcraft. And I think it's so important because I think the one complaint that every witch has is, I don't have time. How do I make Preach. time? It's, it's hard. <laughs> it right? is. It's hard. You know, if you're working the whole time or, you know, you have kids and you're looking after kids, they don't give you a moment. So when no. exactly do you carve out some time for yourself? So this book, first of all, you know, Big uh, disclosure, I loved it. Agreed. You know, I think that this is a book, like if you have the planners and you're thinking, I need a little bit more, go on Amazon today or wherever you get your books and just get this as soon as you can for the beginning of the year because I think it's going to help out. I think yeah. it's a great book. So I always start with a quote. So let's start with a quote. If your spiritual path is mostly theoretical, you intend to do a full moon ritual every month but never seem to get around to it, you might want to consider ways to create a practice that will be easier to follow through on. And I thought that that's just the permission we needed, right? To yeah. get a practice that will be easy to follow through on. It's not that we're bad witches. But if we keep thinking to ourselves that we must do a complete full moon ritual and then something happens at work or something happens with your family and you can't get to it, that's when the guilt comes in. That's yeah. when we start to feel like this was crappy. I am letting the universe down. I'm letting myself down. So I like that she says, hey, how can you make this easier on yourself? Because you do fewer steps in your ritual, it doesn't make it less effective. Yes. It has to work for you. So that's one of the things that I liked about it. Um, that quote, starting with that. I absolutely agree. And I think even just looking at the introduction, which <laughs> I, I there's something about an introduction where like a popular or like famous witch talks about the other books that they write that normally I'm like very turned off by. But even in this introduction, right. I was like, wow, I actually think I want to read this other book. Like, oh, she's, I, this she's is, written so many books, like 12 books or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first thing I'm reading, right? Introduction, first content. And I'm like, oh, this other book also sounds good. Because mm -hmm. so much of the way that she's explaining this is living a magical life isn't about casting spells or chanting under the full moon. Living your best magical and mundane life means moving beyond the separation of the two. And I think that that's something that we've talked about from the beginning, I mean, I think we've tried to incorporate sort of mundane magic into Sit and Spell for as long as it's been around. And this book felt like a reminder of that. Mm -hmm. Like, 
and I, I don't know how to explain this quite accurately, but I guess especially like going into a brand new year, it felt like, hey, do the things that work. Do the things that work for you. And sometimes, especially when you're like, you know, on Instagram or, you know, air quotes in the witch community, you feel like you have to do so much more. And so this book is such a great beginning of the year book to just be like, put put them together. Take your peanut butter and your chocolate and mush them together and make a delicious Reese's out of your life and then enjoy that. You know what, girl? Yes, I do want to do that. Thank you. I love Reese's. I also love the fact that she asked the question, what are you looking for or looking to get from a spiritual practice? Yes. And she says, okay, so it's connection to deity, comfort during difficult times, make sense of the universe, um, hope, peace, strength, power, love. I think if you break it down that way, and I like that she started the book off with this question and looking at the possible answers, is that if you're guided by the answers then your rituals fit exactly what you need. Yes. It's not about, here's the wheel of the year. Let me do all this stuff. Here are the moon cycles. Now I have to do this. No, no, no. What are you trying to get from this? Because if one of your main things, let's say, is connection to deity, well, then why not focus on deity? Why not take some time to say, you know what? My practice is just going to consist of reading up on a particular goddess or god, and finding out what are some ways I can honor that god or goddess. And maybe that's the entirety of your ritual. Before you move on to, you know, uh, making sense of the universe or anything else. Like, those little things, that's still ritual. That still makes you a witch, you know? It's about what, how do you prioritize what you're looking to get from it. And just going with it. And it feels dumb to me that I didn't think of it previously. What? Like looking at in chapter one when she talks about creating your personal path and all of the different things you're considering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why wouldn't I have sat down and been like, oh, what are my priorities in a spiritual path? Like, why, what, <laughs> why do we, why do we skip that? Why do we come into a religion or a, a spiritual practice that constantly touts how there's no pope and nothing centralized and you get to do whatever you want, but never sit down and go, okay, well, what do I want? So here's the thing. I think it comes down to the founding fathers, if you will. You're right. It is Gardner's fault. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Okay. I didn't mean <laughs> it like that. What I meant was, you know, we kind of look for guidance in the elders and yeah. so you're thinking about who set up Wicca. And, you know, one of the things, I think it was in this book, that they said, like, basically, we're all following something Wicca. We're all doing something Wicca. Yes, that was in this book. Right, that was in the book. Yeah. And, you know, and I thought to myself, yeah, they're absolutely right. Because everybody, no matter where they eventually landed, had to walk through the lands of Wicca to get where they were going. Right. So yeah. everybody kind of understands. And even if you're not the witch that's celebrating the Sabbaths, everybody knows the Sabbaths. Like it's that's just a thing. So I think the fact that something was already um, established, we don't sit down and go, what do I want to get out of this? Because we feel like those aren't even questions that we need to ask. I think that if Gardner had said, what do we want to get out of it? I think Wicca today would be so incredibly different than what we have. Yeah, you know? I agree. And I and I'm not faulting Gardner. I'm not saying that he was a bad person for doing this. It was just that was his take 
Doreen Valiente's take, right? It's yeah. all these people's take. And so we just go lock and step. So I really love that she said that. I think that, like you said, it makes you think. There's something else she said that I really love. I mean, love, like, I, oh, I'm obsessed. Witches that stand out don't just celebrate the Sabbaths. They lived their witchcraft. Yes. Right? Um, in every fact factor in their life, every single aspect of their yes. life. And I thought that that together with figure out what's important to you, that's it. Live it. Being a witch is that, is living it every day. It's being part of it. It's it's not about doing the rituals or doing the Sabbaths. It really isn't. And it I can see the difference even in myself because from when we started the podcast to now, I'm much more open about saying like, hi, my name is Gemini and I'm a witch. And like, I'll say it jokingly, but I'm saying it and I never would have said it before. And it feels, it feels nice. You know, it feels nice to wear your crystals and and read your books and like not, not prejudge yourself based on the assumption of what other people are hypothetically maybe going to judge you for. You know, I I used to have a, I still struggle with the fact that I don't look like a witch. Um, But so much less so now than I did previously. Because I'm getting to the point where it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. But witches look all sorts of ways. Right. But we go into witchcraft with these assumptions and mm. Deborah Blake sat down and was like, hey, what if you just didn't do that? What if you just lived your witchcraft? Right. And, and that, you know, girl, yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I am the type of person, and I've mentioned this before, when I forget a holiday or I miss a moon cycle or something, where I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm a terrible witch. And yet, every morning, if I'm not distracted by something horrible happening on the planet. <laughs> um, I'm in my car. The first thing I do is I say good morning to the moon because when we go to work, you everybody's can see still her. sleeping. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I do is I say good morning to the moon. And then, as I've also mentioned on the podcast, I go through what I go, you know, going through the woods to grandmother's house I go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk to the trees. I'm like, hey, guys, it's kind of cold today. Or, How you doing? Hey, you look... I do. I just kind of, I kind of feel their essence. And, you know, I do this in the car. And it wasn't until I read this book that I was like, oh, shit. Like, I am kind of living yeah. that. So even when I forget something, I see them every single day. Yeah. There's something happening every single day. Daily devotion is another thing, right? The fact that I go and I do that, and I want to talk about that later on when she gets to it in the book, yeah, you know, it's something. It's it's why isn't it? It's coming from me naturally. It's not me looking at a calendar yes. and putting a big, you know, highlight on something and going, I have to do X for Astara. Everybody out of my way. It's Astara. You know, is that more genuine than, than, you know, is that more of a witch or is it the little things you do every day because they're a part of you? They're actually, it's natural. It's coming out of you naturally yeah. to do these things. You know? And I think, well, first thing I want to do is I just want to mention this book also contains like short essays and snippets from other authors, which, which I, love. I, oh my God, adored. Um, yeah. Christopher Penzak is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, people we've read are in this. So it's, yeah. it was a fantastic edition and I love 
incorporating that. In that first chapter, um, there's two snippets. One is from Blake Octavian Blair and the other is from Christopher Penzack. But that Mm -hmm. Octavian Blair essay, they, I don't know what gender they are, they say, a spiritual path is a living thing and a living thing grows and changes. Many people fear change when it involves their spiritual practice or the theology for various reasons. And I am hoping as we move into 2022, Jupiter and Pisces, like I'm really hoping that we can move into a world where we stop viewing change as a bad thing. Because I, I can tell you right now, I read that and it like hit me because I think that is something that has held me back a lot is I didn't want to change because I didn't want to be seen as like waffling or flip-flopping or not necessarily, um, you know, not knowing what I'm talking about. When in reality, the whole point of being alive is to grow and change. It is literally biologically defining for life. If you do not grow, you are not alive. Absolutely. So why would... Yes, my my path should change. I am so excited for Theogamia this year, which is a holiday that celebrates the marriage of Zeus and Hera. And I was never excited about it before. Yeah, bitch, it's because I officially got married. So now it means something different to me. And deciding that that's important to me now doesn't mean that all the years previously I was bad at being Hellenic because I didn't recognize this one holiday it just means that my life has changed and my practice grows to fit with that change. That's a perfect example of what you just said. Like, I love that. Like, that was so cool. But yeah. like, it, and it, I, I sit here on the podcast and I'm talking to you and I'm like, this feels obvious. And yet when it's happening, it's so powerful because just because we logically understand something doesn't mean that it always like emotionally resonates And so I think if anyone is having the same struggles that I am having with regard to change, this book really helped me almost to like work through that spiritual blockage, that like personal struggle of, okay, change actually is good. Change is good. Let it happen. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I really hate change. Agreed. But but change is part of, it's even part of our professional lives. Yeah. Every year, we don't know what our schedule is going to be. Um, when are we teaching? And that means everything because, listen, when you have too many classes together and you have to, you know, have a potty break. Yeah. You know, and you have to limit how much water you drink. Like, you, you want to know. Like, the sooner I know my schedule, the more I can mentalize, like, when I'm having lunch, yes. you know, and what that means for the rest of the day. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and we get new kids. And the one thing I hate every year is, I hate pointing to people and saying, yeah, you, you, right? I want to be able to say, hey, Bob, you know? So, you know, every year we go through a big change and, you know, you're always comfortable by Halloween when you know everybody's name and you're kind of getting in the groove. And by Thanksgiving, you're like, you're good. Even with that in mind, I think that it's interesting that we both kind of felt weird about having our practice change or grow or however you want to put it, you know? And again, we've said this too. It's kind of neat that we have it all documented on this podcast. I know. Because we're like such different witches. Capsule. It really is. And who knows where it's going to go. Yeah. But anyway, 
So after that, she starts talking about daily practice. And she says, try to find things you can do for a few minutes. She's not even telling you, like, try to create a ritual you can do. Like, what can you do for a couple of minutes if a couple of minutes is all you have? Um, So she says things like light a candle, speak to the universe, have a moment of silence, uh, read an affirmation, journal, take a walk outside. Later on in the book, she says, hey, start your day by pulling a rune or pulling a tarot card or any kind of oracle deck. And just, you know, even write down what did it say about you for today? Starting your day with that is going to influence your day. Because when you think about when people say, well, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But it's true. Like when you eat, like you have that energy to move on and to do more with your day. So think about think about that as being your breakfast, your spiritual breakfast. What what can I do for a couple of minutes that's going to set me on for the rest of the day? What? I love that. I love that. Okay. Your spiritual breakfast. <laughs> I don't eat breakfast regularly, so that's not going to help me. But I hope it helps somebody else. You don't eat? Oh, I have to have breakfast. But anyway, I, yeah. I roll out of bed. That's, I am, it's like two minutes before I got to leave. That's when I'm getting out of bed. Like, breakfast is not a thing on my radar. Um, but I liked, this This book is great if you have a lot of undiagnosed ADHD also. Because I get caught up so much in wanting to do like these big things and like I need all this time and I need to do the full ritual and I need to do no just do it sometimes you just have to decide to do the thing take five minutes take two minutes and and I (laughs) mentally my brain is like two minutes isn't anything what what are you gonna do for two minutes that's gonna matter in your day but like a lot a lot of a things lot. you do for two minutes and matter in your day. I you send a text message to a loved one. That's gonna matter. That takes less than two minutes. Yep. You know, putting in one grade it can take yeah. five minutes. Still really helpful. Yep. Scheduling an email. I mean, you could. There are so many. Your life, your entire life, is made up of things you do in less than two minutes, and yet. So often we're like, no, it can't be two minutes. It's got to be a full, you know, I got to do a full hour long moon ritual. No, no, stop it. Say something nice in the morning to the gods or, you know, read a book. These, These suggestions are great, especially for someone like me who wants to do too much. Watch the sunset. I could do that for two minutes. I could easily do that for two minutes. You know, so kids love to tell me stuff, as teenagers do. <laughs> and one teenager was very excited. She um, she wrote up. We do this thing at school where people read their poetry for. Um, it's like an arts day mm-hmm. where different they perform music, all this stuff. And she showed me the poem she wrote. And before I could say something else, I went, "Oh my God, there's a Yule poem!" And then I was like, "Oh, I just <laughs> outed myself." <laughs> And she said, yes. She was all excited. She goes, you know, so you. And I was like, yeah. Like, you know, it was just, it was kind of weird. But yeah, anyway, so this is her first Yule, she told me. And um, she was so cute, you know, so excited about celebrating her first Yule. And then she asked me, what are you going to do? And part of me was like, I don't know. Like my, my answer to anybody else would have been like, who knows? Maybe I'll just yeah. light a candle. Maybe I'll just, you know, curl up with my dog. Don't even ask me what I did. I can't remember now what it is I did. But 
yeah, it wasn't a big thing. But I think it's absolutely wonderful that it's a big thing for her. I think that if you want to go big, go big. You know, Um, I was so excited But it should be what you want. Exactly. And this is what she wants. And I hope, you know, I'm sure she'll tell me about it when we go back to school. But I really hope she had the best Yule. I really do because she was so psyched for it. Yeah, it's her first Yule. So, um, yeah. And then she also talks about, you know, so if you're talking about breakfast, let's talk about dinner. And dinner consists of... Thanking the gods, watching the sunset, nightly prayer. Hmm. It's that simple. I like it. Yeah. No, two minutes. God forbid yeah. we treat our time with respect and actually use two minutes to do something valuable. I know. I know. Like, you could literally light a candle in the bathroom if you're a nighttime shower person and let literally cleanse the day away. And have meaning to your shower. I shower both. I, I'm a morning and an evening person. So I'm kind of a wacko that way. So yeah, you can do that. And I have used, I mean, maybe because I'm a water sign or whatever. But I do. I, sometimes I take a shower with intention, if that makes any sense. Not just yes. to clean myself. But, you know, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I definitely do feel that I am washing the day away. I am fresh from whatever happened. Leave it in the past. Move on. And that's it. I do think that this book, as as we go through chapter two specifically, and Deborah's talking about like the ways that you incorporate magic into your daily life, mm-hmm. this book definitely relies on intention, I think, pretty heavily, um, which I think in previous years I've been a little bit skeptical of, uh, but <laughs> I'm having this problem where I am realizing or like I'm being forced to accept that in real life, your mental state does in fact have an incredibly powerful effect on the way you interact with the world and that things like mindfulness and meditation can actually change the way that you interact with the world for the better. So on the one hand, I hate that, obviously, because it means that I could feasibly control my emotions a little bit better. But it also... Yeah, maybe I want to, I made some cornbread to start this podcast. (laughs) And it's just, you know, hey, what if I had taken a minute when I was stirring the cornbread to stir in an intention? That, that's two seconds. But that intentionality, I think it, it is really valuable. And as much as I want to be the kind of witch who's like, well, paradigms are important and how you put the spell together and you know what? You can't discount intention. It does have this incredibly noticeable effect to the point where like we can do psychological studies on how your mental fitness, how your mindfulness, how your ability to be resilient all affect your getting through difficult situations. So why wouldn't it also work magically? Yeah. She even talks about, since we're talking about showers, she talks about singing in the shower. And how a song can become a chant. And I thought, you know what? That is so true, especially in the morning. You know, the music that I play in the morning to get ready to go to work is intentional. I choose music based on the time of the year, um, my mood. If I feel like I'm just way too tired, I'm going to put on music that I can sing to. Because when I start singing, I start to feel happy. I can't sing for the life of me. (laughs) But... I sing anyway, 
you know, for me. It's only meant for me. It's only yeah. meant for me to be happy in my car, in the shower, while I'm making breakfast, whatever, you know. Um, so why not do something like that? Yeah. Now, there's something else. You know, I'm jumping around the book. I know that I normally go chapter by chapter, but like different things like spark in my head. Yeah. Um, just tell me what chapter what, you're going to. Oh, I have no idea what chapter this is in. This is the problem. Okay, let's just go chapter by chapter then because when we get there, we'll get there. Because I was thinking about something else. Because, you know, the next chapter is making time for spirit in a too busy world. Um, Which I think is really helpful for those of us who, like, looked at chapter two and got overwhelmed and were like, oh, my God, but mm -hmm. what about two minutes is really, like, is that enough? And so she gives you five-minute rituals to do a number of things. And they're great starting places. Shower away the yeah. negative. Quick protection work. Embrace yourself. Yeah. You know, these are, they're easy. This is where she talks about um, the divination, the daily divination. So pull a rune or a tarot card in the morning. Or, hey, maybe you're a nighttime person. Maybe you're like me and you wake up two minutes before you have to leave. Pull a card at night and see if it resonated yeah. with your day. Yeah. Um, there's apps that can do that. I get an app that just notifies me every morning. Here's your card. Oh. So yeah. like, you know, if you're especially lazy, boom, you could do that. The thing I really wanted to talk about in chapter three, though, was the hibernation vacation. Yes, I feel like that really spoke to you, didn't it? It did. And also, <laughs> so first of all, it did because I feel like the week between Christmas and New Year's is my hibernation, hibernation. vacation. Yeah. Um, it's dead week. Like, that's what it is. But I feel like this book... Is It was so, you picked it. I didn't pick it. This book just feels yeah. like it's encapsulating my entire sort of growth in which space so far. Because like before I started reading this, I was doing a lot of research into living seasonally, you know, wintering, um, being more in touch with the rhythms of nature in a less sort of wheel of the year and more of a like, my own personal path kind of way. So to read this section and be like, oh, yes, what if you just relaxed? Oh, I love that. Thank you, Deborah. The hibernation vacation is all about uncramming your life. I need to yeah. uncram my life. That sounds well, wonderful. Well, she says it's also, she says the reboot button. And I like that she used that term. And it doesn't have to be a whole week, she said. It could be a yes. weekend. Right? It could be a day. But yes. to unplug from everything. Yes. You know, um, and I'm especially feeling right now that I need to be unplugged because I these last these last few days between Christmas and New Year's, I have just been on TikTok or on Instagram oh, on God. my phone for hours and hours. And it's like, mm, you know what? This it's not working. It's not working. Yeah. We need to have times like that to just unplug as people, whether or not you're doing it magically. Yeah. To just be like, I'm going to not instead of this i'm gonna just not yeah yeah then she talks about something that i was like gemini does this she enchants her cup of coffee or tea making yeah. a small ritual you've done this yeah so when I, I miss read it, it I was, a lot i actually wrote gemini on there i was like oh my god look at that yeah and, so and, cool. and of course i read that and i'm sitting there like oh, i should really do that again because you you do things and like this is why it's important that we recognize that growth and change happen to a spiritual practice. I used to do a tea thing every morning. I did it in college literally every single day. And then I became an adult and I did it once in a while. 
And then when I lived um, in Westchester, I would do like once a week and I'd go have a big thing and I'd go to brunch. And I haven't done it since I moved and I miss it, but it doesn't fit in my life right now. So I have to find a new way. Maybe I do like hot chocolate before bed. Maybe I do, you know, but I have to, I have to acknowledge that, you know, this thing worked for me and I loved it, but I can't force it into my life if it's not fitting in my life. But it is a great thing. And if you like tea, you should definitely try it because that shit hits. (laughs) So chapter four is all about walking your talk in everyday life and things you can do. And she says the three big things are awareness, appreciation, and attitude. So... Oh, yeah, this one, this book was just really for me, I think. I feel like this book was written to yell at me, um, and I, I appreciate it, but it's also, you know, stressful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she gives you tips. If you're not sure what that means, she gives you tips like buy your produce from organic farmers who don't use chemical fertilizers. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this a little bit. This is probably the only thing that I was kind of like, mm. She says, as pagans, I believe we have a responsibility to be mindful of the planet we live on and of how we treat its gifts, earth, air, fire, and water among them. I agree. I'm not disagreeing. She also goes on to say, additionally, if you are not already vegetarian, you may want to consider eating less meat. Okay. She also talks about, like I mentioned before, going to an organic uh, produce farmer. Yeah. Not everybody has the financial means. Or the physical means to do some of these things. Okay. Going to an organic store is going to be more expensive than not going. So I think to say that this is a tip, I mean, I think it's things you can think about. Yeah. But, you know, this is not going to be in everybody's budget. And it kind of, I'm getting to the point now where it kind of bugs me when I see tips like that. Because... I kind of feel like everybody knows this already. Of course, it's better to eat organic. Of course, it's yeah. better to eat less meat. That's not always possible, you know? Yeah. Um, some people have allergies to things that maybe meat is going to be their only source of protein. Yeah. Maybe they live in a community where the restaurants around them, this is what they have and this is what they can afford. So they're bad witches. No, you're on this physical plane and you have to exist with whatever means you have. So that's the only thing that I wish people would take into account when they write this is like, check your privilege on the way to the door. You know what I'm saying? And see, I think that's very funny because I had the opposite reaction because I, I have, I've seen and I've participated in, um, kind of this, this bypassing that happens. And I, I do firmly think that this is like a white vegan thing, but if it's not a, like, if you're also experiencing it, please chime in um there's this thing that happens where people get invested in other people's problems and then use that as a way to not do the thing that they can do because it's like oh well this isn't fair to other people yeah no it totally isn't you shouldn't force those other people to do that but if I in my life have the privilege that I can buy organic or I can um, you know, do some of these things to lessen my impact. I should still do that, even oh, yeah. if other people can't. And I, so I read that, and I immediately was like, "Well." And then I had to step back and be like, "Okay, no, I, I can't just close my eyes, because 
I don't want to. Like, just because I know other people can't do it doesn't mean that I shouldn't. Oh, and yeah, so, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah, No, I know, but I think that sometimes, like, we need to read these things and recognize where our privilege is. Because a, a lot of the community is white and formerly Christian, at least in the areas that we live. A lot of us can do more. Yeah. A lot of us and can I, do more. And I think when we're talking about if we ever talk about diversity in the witch community, um, some cultural practices are about consuming an awful lot of meat. Yeah. And if we're talking about our ancestors and we're talking about getting connection with our ancestors, um, you know, pernil, which is pork. I don't know what part of the pork it is. I got to be honest. I didn't grow up <laughs> someplace where I had to say that I could just go to the supermarket and look for a pernil. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the Caribbean, it's not just a piece of meat. It is the entire pig. This is a, mm-hmm. a cultural practice that goes back. So to say, oh, you know, you should eat less meat. You should. But you know what? If it is Yule time and I am in Puerto Rico, I am going to partake of this because this Absolutely. is part of my ancestors. And I'll tell you something. I don't even like it. Okay, but do I eat it? I will take the smallest piece because I do feel there's something about honoring my ancestors yes. by eating that food, right? The food that has been handed down to us. Um, so when when you write stuff like this, as somebody who you know is a Latina, this this is where I kind of feel like I'm being nudged out a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't know how other people from other cultures perceive stuff like that. That's kind of how I see it. So I always go like, hey, you know, for the Latina witch out there that's like, um, what is this? People, you do you. Yes. Mi gente, mi gente, my people, you do you, right? Our ancestors, our people, our spirituality goes one way. This is going to go another. But I would like to see just a little bit of inclusivity. I would like to see a little bit of that when they talk about this. And again, I don't think that she meant to exclude anybody at all. This is a very well-written book and it's awesome. But I think we have to start paying attention to when we write things, who we might be leaving out. And of course, I think that when we read these books, listeners not every part is going to work for all of us. Right. Right. And we need to be very careful when we're consuming these books because you can get into a position where, okay, well, she's the expert. This is what she's saying. Right. Right. And right. and historically, the community has done that over and over. So don't listen to us or don't read these books and feel like you ever have to give up something that is important to you or important to your exactly. culture. Because exactly. no one should tell you to do that right that's part of your magic that's part of what makes exactly. you you so yeah um and there's other things right use less energy yeah raise your children to be aware and appreciative i think that's i think everybody whether you're witch or not should have some of that uh become active in environmental causes i love that yeah right and um, i loved the entire section on service as sacred work the um, Obviously, I think part of that is like a raised Catholic thing, but I do think that there are so many faiths that it is so important to give a shit about other people. Mm-hmm. And coming at this from a 
white suburban American perspective, so often we are not told to care about other people. America in general, individualism is the most important thing. And so incorporating any small act of service towards another person, giving a shit about one other person is valuable and can be magically valuable. Um, Coming to the aid of children, yeah, that feels important to me. It feels like something pagans could do better at. You know, we, we could get involved more. But it kind of makes me sad that this has to be said at all. I, I agree. Think every adult should just feel that coming to the aid of children is, why the fuck wouldn't you? Like, I just don't, you know what I mean? But the fact that it has to be written, I think is what's sad. Um, I also like that she put in friends and family. Hey, before you go help somebody else, who is near you that might need a little bit of help? Absolutely. Right? Um it's all important. Assisting yeah. the old and sick. That's another thing. That's that's also a very cultural thing. There are some cultures yeah. where the old and sick, like, you're taking care of them. Like, the idea of not taking care of your old and sick is like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, now, in today's day and age, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to take care of somebody who's elderly if you're working and your spouse is working yes. and there's nobody at home and you don't have money for a nurse. Like, I, I understand all of that. This all happens. But... What you try to do is you take care of your elderly, period. I mean, I know that's part of my culture, which is why you see so many kids that, you know, they live with their grandmothers as well. Their grandparents are living in the house because that's what you do. You know, you just take care of them. Like, why wouldn't you? So some things also seem like, wow, I can't believe you have to even think about this. How about aiding animals? Like, yeah. (laughs) That one I'm honestly surprised was included because I feel like the pagan community is on with that we got like we're taking care of animals we got this we will fuck up everything else but we will do this like the fact that we don't have any more room in our houses is why shelters still exist because if we had more room we'd take in all the damn animals yes yeah it it Um, feels it feels like i i'm getting yelled at in the best way by this book you know the things that that she's telling us to do make sense they are they feel both empowering in that everything she's suggested in the first you know half of the book you can do it's mm-hmm. completely doable and also it feels a little bit like self-reflective like all right what have you been what have you been bypassing right what what are you choosing to ignore that you yeah. probably shouldn't be ignoring um right. for me chapter 5 was essential because nature is the thing that i'm ignoring 9 times out of 10 I don't get outside. I don't touch dirt. I am like the worst. I it's I, I don't have a good answer. I just don't go outside. I like to look at outside a lot. I don't necessarily like to be in it in the well in the winter more, believe it or not, I do like to go outside and like whatever, but the summer I just I can't do summer. Like summer, which yeah, no, it's hot. Makes no sense because I feel like my genetics should just have me loving summer, and I just I cannot do summer. But chapter five is also where she goes. Go, she has this the section going with the flow, changing with grace. Yes, which I love. And she talks about her example about living in upstate New York, which I was like, whoa, Woo-hoo. upstate New York girl. Yeah. So um, but yeah, but she started talking about her feelings of winter, how she yes. hated winter, which. 
I say that I like winter. I do, but like in very small doses. I like the idea of being cozy in my house yes. for winter. Going outside and seeing the snow, having the dog play in the snow, like, you know, things like yeah. that are fun. But it's dark at 4.30. That depresses me. Yeah. You know? I mean, I feel like I, I'm grateful that we get out of work at the time we do, because if not, we wouldn't see the sun. I don't ever. see the sun. Oh, that's right. You work late. Yeah, oh I don't see God. the sun. Okay, so I'm just going to be quiet about that. <laughs> yeah, I and it's nice the way that she describes, first of all, changing her mindset. Right. Because that intention, that mindset is so important. But also, for me, this was great because I think the wheel of the year never really resonates for me. But mm. hearing her description of upstate New York, which is a place that I have been and go regularly, I was able to sort of understand and internalize better and I was able to like fit it into the schema that I already see so I think that part of this changing with grace is going with the flow the reason it's in this nature chapter in the first place is because it's about being in tune with your nature right it's about being in tune with what's going on around you and if you're not resonating with the wheel of the year fine resonate with your actual seasons yeah not everybody um, has a winter. And I know I've mentioned this before. Uh, the Tainos, even though Puerto Rico does not get cold by our idea of cold, it gets cooler a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's still warm. But they, the Tainos celebrated the winter solstice, the summer solstice, because they saw everything not in terms of, okay, now it's going to get cold, now it's going to snow, now it's going to be sunny. But they saw it as the wet season or the drier season. Right. right. So they knew how to orchestrate their lives based on how the climate was going to change. I mean, let's face it, right after the summer solstice comes their hurricane season. Yes. And it doesn't end until pretty much right before the winter solstice. So, you know, it meant something to them that was totally different. So, yeah, I like what you just said, the idea of like, what does the change mean to you? What, what is your wheel, if it were? Right. Yeah. And I like the way that this chapter kind of gives you options. So if you're like, no, I'm really not into seasons. I don't fuck with seasons. I'm not an outside no. kind of bitch. Okay, no. here's your here's your lunar information. Right. Here's your um, earth, air, fire, and water. Right? How can you incorporate all of these things in ways that are authentic to your real life? Right. And like, I yeah. probably could... I probably could find a way to, you know, incorporate more nature into my real life. I probably could do that. You could if you wanted to. She then goes into a simple pagan practice. Yes. Before we get to the section that says simple ways to let others in on the wonderful world of witchcraft without scaring them. I don't think I've ever seen a section like this in a book. And I'm like, it's about time. Yeah. Because... How do you talk about it? How do you let people that you want to know that you're a witch, that you're a witch? Um, I let my husband tell his family. I don't think I was did. like, I don't, I think he, I don't know why he told them. I, I should really ask, but he just did. I think because he just realized that it was a big part of me and that at some point they're going yeah. to see something. So he told them, and um, every time one of my sister-in-laws, whenever we speak to her, uh, and she sees me, because we always FaceTime or whatever, and she's like, Bruja, Bruja, 
Where, where's my, my favorite bruja, you know? And That's like, cute. so she just thinks it's like, like adorable. So yeah, they know. I mean, they know that I read cards and you know, that's what they call like brujeria and whatnot. Like it's different for them. But yeah, he told them. So I was like, okay, good. I especially like the fact, aside from how to tell them. Yes. How to include special needs children in ritual. I fucking loved that. Right? Okay, one, obviously, I love any book that includes a note about how you shouldn't teach witchcraft to children without parental consent. I think that's important. Right. It's just like and she does I wanna, that. Yep, want to verbalize yep. that on the podcast. Just make sure everybody's yep. aware that that's our stance. But, yeah, yeah it was great because you know what? Oh, I'm going to, okay, all right. <laughs> Let's do this. Oh, hot take? Go ahead. Let's fucking do this. Let's go. Um, <laughs> this This pandemic that we've been living through, um, is a mass disabling event. There are going to be people who come out of this pandemic unable to function in the way that they did prior to 2019. Yeah. Um, and it is essential in all spaces, but I'm on a witch space podcast, so I'm going to talk about the witch community. It is essential that we are open and available and accessible to people with differing needs and with disability um and you know you don't i don't see a lot of disabled witches and i know that part of that is because of the obsession with aesthetics and Mm -hmm. people need to look a certain way but um if if the first step is just hey let's have some open communication so that these people with special needs can participate in events that's a beautiful first step yeah, but we're gonna need to keep taking those steps because yep. we're not coming out of however long this takes without some people experiencing unfortunate consequences, and we want to still maintain a sense of community where people p- feel safe and allowed to be there. So that inclusion—I mean, this book was first printed in 2015. Mm-hmm feels really powerful. It feels really valuable yeah. because I think a lot of times, especially in niche communities like this, disabled people just kind of get pushed to the side. You forget that people are disabled if you don't perceive it, you know, especially when we're online. If I'm not perceiving somebody has a disability, I just assume they're not disabled and that's fucked up. We can't function like that as a community. And I think for a long time, people still do it because I've still had um, parents do this where they're apologizing like, oh, I'm so sorry if he's annoying or they're getting up. And I can't tell you. I'm talking about my private life. I'm not talking about school. I'm yeah. talking about people who have kids. And I'm like, uh, your child is never bothering me. Yeah. Like, are you insane? Like, why would this bother me? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, when <laughs> I was really little and I would go to Puerto Rico, I have a cousin. Um, she's passed away now who had Down syndrome. And the thing is, I never knew she had Down syndrome because nobody made it a big deal. It wasn't a big Mm -hmm. deal. This is your cousin. So, you know, it was just treated with such normality Mm -hmm. that it always bothered me when I see a child that is quote unquote different. And people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, stop saying that. And especially stop saying it in front of them. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be sorry that they're differently abled. Like, holy crap. Like, we like you said we need to change this and i think that this is such a wonderful thing i almost wish she would write a whole book on something like this maybe i she wouldn't will. be mad yeah she, right? well, she got I, a lot of books that. we should check 
Yeah, we should check. Maybe we, we've missed it. But um, yeah, I thought that was such a beautiful thing to put in there and really make us think because you're right. Ugh, I hate to say that we're so stuck on aesthetics, but we kind of are. I think it's very much... I have a lot of hot takes on this, so I will not go into detail right now because I will derail the entire podcast. But I think it's very much sort of like the transition from like a forum-based, like uh, words-based internet into like the Instagram, um, Mm, TikTok sort of media content machine version of the internet. Um, Because it, it, we didn't used to have this. Aesthetics weren't as important socially prior to literally needing to physically display yourself at all times for the internet um it, we were still bad to disabled people i'm definitely not saying that was better um we're better now we just have different problems uh this is uh, there's a lot to unpack here it would be a whole podcast in and of itself also i think we need to be nicer to children individualism is bad that's all of gemini's hot takes for this well, i don't think individualism i think individualism is bad when that's all you can see is yourself. I think that individualism is a good thing as long as you can also recognize the individualism in somebody else and listen to them and, you know, have dialogue. American individualism is bad. Now, here we go. Okay. So, um, (laughs) so moving on, (laughs) moving on to chapter seven. And this is kind of interesting for me because of what's been going on in my house. Yes. So familiars, fur, feather, and fang. All right. So, you know, she talks about different ways that um, witches deal with animals. Um, You know, whether it's, you know, a familiar or what did she call them? I'm trying to think. The power animals. Power animals. So here's the thing. She was talking about, she says, you know, why her when she's talking about her familiar she goes honestly i don't know i just accept it as a gift it is with gratitude and appreciation yeah i think a lot of us don't know so here's the thing with my new dog that has been um i don't want to say freaking me out (laughs) but i told you did we ever talk about his name on the podcast i don't know if we did i know we've talked about it off the podcast but i don't think you've said it on here so if, I've, if I'm repeating myself, just bear with me. So as we know, my um, familiar that passed, his name was Chango. And when we got this dog, my husband was insisting that we call him Coco. And I said, all right, Coco. I wasn't feeling Coco. I, I love like, how Whatever. white you say it. Oh, Coco. Coco. <laughs> we named him Coco. Coco. Because <laughs> that's what people would call him. Like I would say Coco and they'd go Coco. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. That's because you're so, surrounded by white people. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> Um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I was very nice to the little dog. It's not like I hated him when we got him. I mean, I would pick him up and, you know, do things with him. But my familiar was my familiar. And mm-hmm. when my familiar passed, you know, I, I released him and whatever. And I said, well, we'll see what happens with this little guy. So the first thing that happened was I hated his name. And I'm going to say this happened about a week after Chango passed. I said, oh God, I hate this freaking name. And and then I just started doing some reading up on mythology on, on Chango because I was missing him. And his friend, the Orisha Oko. <laughs> Oko. Oko. That sounds so much like Coco. The dog's not even going to realize it. And I looked at him and I said, this is who you are, aren't you? 
this dog will come up, like he'll sit up on me and he's tiny and he puts his paws on my like breastbone and will stare into my eyes. And I was like, whoa. And my mother said to me, cause she babysat, um, dog sat um, for me. I forgot what, why. And she said, he's different. She said it. She goes, there's something about that little guy. She's like, he's, there's something more going on there. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And then I was like, Oko, Oko. And he just looks at me and he steals my abandoned Oracle deck. He just takes it. It's his deck. Okay, it is the weirdest thing. I changed the bag. I thought it was the bag. I said, he's, he doesn't even know what he's taking. I changed the bag. He left the other bag alone and went for the cards. He's so cute. He's definitely showing so many signs that I can't ignore, right? Yeah. Um, so it's very bizarre to me. How does it happen? I'm with her. I don't know why this happens. I don't know why. And it's so funny because I did not bond with him like that. I didn't think I was going to. I thought he was going to be my pet. I said, well, we'll see what happens. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, that's it. I've lost my familiar and who knows if we'll have another one. And this guy is just really in my face about it. Like mm -hmm. he is just like letting himself know that I am here. So, And I just want to clarify for the listeners that you got Coco before Chengo passed. Yeah. So it's not like you just got a new puppy and it's now this is Chungo and a new pup. No, this is a this was his no, no, own no. separate puppy the whole time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we only got him and what's funny was the person who gave him to me, she said there's something about him. This one's yours. And I was like, "Okay, whatever." All right. PS, he doesn't look like any of his siblings. And he has a mohawk. Oh, he's so cute. It is really bizarre. It's just little white pieces of hair. And if we cut it just right, it just stands up on its own. So he just has a constant mohawk, which is like so me. So like just little things that oh, he's your dog. And my mother telling me, yeah, there's something about him. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll see. It was like a week after Chango left that I was like, I'm seeing a lot more. He just became a lot more active and a lot more wanting my attention but it's very mm -hmm. weird he still does it to this day like he still gets up on me and like stares at me and my husband would go what are you guys doing and i said we're connecting <laughs> i mean i, I don't know what that. else to call it he just yeah. stares into my eyes and i look at his and i'm like all right we're just staring at each other now you know so and i like that that she makes the point in this text that like you you can't really you can't really like go get a familiar you yeah. could be like, hey, universe, my deities, I would really like one. But it, it doesn't work like that. Like You don't just go out and pick up a puppy and be like, you're my familiar now. Yeah, you have to really wait and see. If you're picking up yeah. an animal, if you're not doing a familiar that is a spiritual, like we've talked about in other yes. books, if you are looking to get an animal, yeah, you can't, yeah. And speaking of yeah. spiritual beings... Yes. I really liked that she was just straight up about the fact that her power animal was a flock of sheep. Yeah. Because for cool. a very long time, my uh, animal spirit that I worked with was the rat. And um, yeah. that's not like a cool animal for most people. But like, guys, I hate to break it to you, but most of you do not have wolf or bear or eagle as your power animal like some of you need to be working with like slug or like you know chicken there are other animals out there just just because they're slightly less cool doesn't mean they're not also going to be important so yeah maybe your power animal is a flock of sheep and that's great and i hope you learn something valuable from them 
right? We don't need to buy into aesthetics here either. The animal that's right. calling to you is the animal that's calling to you. Let it happen. Yeah. I wanted to have a wolf power animal so bad, but I didn't. And that's fine. I didn't need that energy in my life. I don't think I've ever had a power animal. I, so I pretty regularly refer to them as like animal spirits. Um, I used spirit animal for most of my practice because when I started, that was the correct answer. You weren't supposed to say totem. You were supposed to say spirit, but now you're not supposed to say spirit animal either. So now I say animal spirit, um, power animal. I don't like as much, but that's what's referenced in the book. I... I went into it wanting one. I was like, I'm going to have wolf. Wolf is going to be my animal spirit. And this is going to be great. Um, And I think because I went into it with the intention that like I'm going to have a certain like power animal, I was much more, (laughs) I was more open. I was less open, but I was more open to the fact that there was an animal spirit that was around me being like, hey, buddy, it's actually me. It's me. It'll be me pretty much the whole time. Um, But you can keep trying to find wolf or bear or eagle but it's not going to be them it's going to be me and i'll be here when you're ready the only animal i ever cared about was the scorpion as far as like yeah you would but that's just i mean like you know so if somebody said what's your power animal i'm going to say it's a scorpion and and it's not even just because i'm a well it is because i'm a scorpio but um this whole idea that you know they really uh, they don't want to fuck with you they they, they just want to be left alone but if you bother them enough they're going to kill you and I kind of feel like, yeah, I, you know, I, I can be very calm at points, but you come at me too much and I'm going to open my mouth. And then people are like, oh, that hurt. Yeah, didn't it? <laughs> Did it sting, perchance? You know, I mean, seriously, but that's yeah. not even a Scorpio trait. That's a like, my dad's family is really good at that. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just really bizarre. Like, I definitely got that from them. Like it's, and I think it's a good trait. I know it sounds shitty to say that, but I think it's a good trait because it's like when people fuck off, they really fuck off. Like they really get the message. Yeah. Anyway, now we come to God and goddess in everyday life. So. Yes, we do. There's something that she says in here that I think is really useful. And that is, okay, you don't have to do big ritual, but you should talk to your deity because it's like any other relationship. You can't just come to them when you need something, right? You wouldn't do that to a friend. You don't have a friend that you only call when you need a ride or you need to borrow money or you need, right? Yes. So why would you do that with a god or a yes. goddess? Like you shouldn't, you know, you need to have this balance um, so that it, you don't have to worry about doing a whole ritual. But yeah, talk to them, have a conversation with them, you know? Um, in any way that feels good to you. Is it like a pendulum? Is it yeah. using cards? You know, how do you think that you're going to best relate to them or speak to them? You know? And she says something that also reminded me of you. She says, divine is not separate from the mundane, but rather manifests itself in everyday things. And I think about, who is it? Is it Hermes of the of the lights? No, what oh is it? Oh my God, yes, it is Hermes. Okay. Hermes of the traffic lights. Oh, the traffic lights. Yeah, you've always yeah. said that. How you see your gods, even though you're, we're not in Greece, obviously, but you see them here, how they manifest here. And, I, and that's what made me think of you when I, yes. when I read that piece. Yeah, and I, I loved reading her talking about imminence and how she like had this experience of, of seeing people through the goddess's eyes. Um, oh, yeah. I think that deity is not for everybody. But for those of us who are, 
working with or worshiping or experiencing deity in whatever way it's nice it's nice to have in a non sacred setting I guess it you I want everyone to be respectful of deity obviously because I think you know they're, they're it's divine presence in whatever form you consider it like you should be respectful of that but my relationship with Hermes has only ever been made stronger by recognizing him at traffic stops. My relationship with Hera has only ever been made stronger by having like peacock things around. These relationships can... Because I know, especially for me, like I'm very grouchy about like the young people who collect the gods and blah, 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 and I'm I'm a bitch about it I know I'm aware I'm working on it but there is something valuable in just like chatting up your deity right maybe, maybe I don't know if they're listening they might be busy but it, there's something powerful about that and so I don't want anyone to feel bad about it lesser about it yeah, we're we're moving into a time in the community where like reconstruction I think is getting a lot more um a lot more traction. I think that like cultural consciousness is much more important and those are things we need to be respectful of and considerate of. But also have a chat with your gods once in a while. It it's not that doesn't make it doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she says, remember that witchcraft is a religion that advocates personal responsibility. So if you lose your job, I love that she used this example. Absolutely. Do a spell. Talk to your gods about it. But you know what? Do the work. Yes. Fix your always. resume. Fix your cover letter if you don't like the way it looked. You know, send it out to every possible place. And if when you don't, when things don't work your way, maybe it's because sometimes the answer is No. Yes. And I also liked that because sometimes we feel like, oh, this didn't happen because I didn't do the spell right. Uh, no. You sometimes got your answer. Sometimes the answer is no. Stop. It's not meant for you to change. Why? Maybe a, she says it right here. It could be a lesson that you need to learn. Maybe this problem, you got to clean it up yourself. Don't be looking for somebody else to help you. Um, you need this crisis to get you where you need to be. Yes. So the fact that she did this and she laid it out for people, again, another thing that I don't think we see enough of when it comes to these books, it's always about like, you got this, which you do got this. But when you got this, this means everything. This means, you know, sometimes you have to go through the shit to get there. There's not going to be a a shortcut, you know? Um, I mean... I remember when my little guy started having seizures at a really old age. He just started a mm-hmm. couple of months before he, he went. And I said, oh, God, goddess, why can't he just go in his sleep? Instead of being upset that the gods didn't take him in his sleep, I said, because I needed to do this. I mm-hmm. had to be, this is an experience that I needed to have to be the one to say, no, it's time to euthanize him. Like, I had to do it, you know? So, but somebody else might've said, well, you know what? I asked, I lit candles. I did all this stuff. 
what did I do wrong? Nothing. I needed to learn this experience, you know, and I yeah. knew that. So even before I read this, I realized like, yeah, he's not going to go in his sleep. It's up to me. You know, I, I really like the way that this book sort of constantly reinforces that personal responsibility throughout mm. the text in the different contexts, because how do I want to say this? We are, we are a religion with no centralized authority. Yeah. The only authority that exists is the one that you personally think matters. Yeah. Which means that you are responsible for all of this because you're the one picking your authority figure. Right. So even if you're like, oh, well, I'm going to follow the moral standards of the ancient Greek people, you chose that. You're responsible for it now. You're responsible for it whether it is um, incorporating it into your daily life, whether it is connecting with your deity, finding a familiar, talking to other people. Yeah. This book is all about taking responsibility for your life and I think in a really empowering way. You know, I felt yelled at, but that's because I think that this really resonated very strongly with me. I think it's a very gentle book. I don't think you read this and yes. come out of it feeling like, oh, I'm terrible. And I think this is a great book. No. Yeah, the, the complete opposite. I think anybody, you know, I, I know we tell people, this is a good book, this is a whatever book. I encourage people to buy this book or get it from the library. Yeah. Or, you know, um, if you really can't find it, let us know. Damn, I'll, I'll send you my copy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Ditto, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm going to get, like, so many people asking me for this copy. Um, but no, but seriously, I really think, I mean, all I can say is if Deborah Blake ever hears this, we love you. <laughs> and I want to read yeah, I want to read everything that you've written. And, yeah. you know, I just think that she was... Oh, and of course, speak of perfection. Oh, I know, so she right? Talks, she talks about her guest authors. So in case you're reading and you don't know who Lupa is, hey, she's going to tell you in the back of the book. But more than that, recommended reading. Oh, and she organizes my God, it. girl. She organizes, she organizes based on all level. these books that you should read. Um, it's great. Seriously. Chapter 11 has recommended books, and then she has more books in the back. So when you're done with this, and you're like, well, what else does she think we should read? And some of these books we actually did on the podcast, some of the ones yes. she talks about. So that makes you feel kind of good, too. So, yeah, I would say this is the perfect book to start 2022. I really, I completely. really do. Um, this is your January I'm book of the month from Witch Space. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of sorry that I didn't hear about this book sooner, but maybe I wasn't meant to know about this book sooner. No, this feels really like this was divinely planned. Like, I yeah. I read this book, and I'm going to be really honest with you guys on the podcast. Sometimes I'm not very responsible about my reading schedule. So I read this book before we recorded today. I read the whole thing before we recorded today. That's how much I liked this book. Like, yeah. I didn't skip anything. I dog-eared stuff. I underlined things. Like, this book is exactly what I needed going into 2022, and I know it's going to be exactly what some of you need as well. And I'll tell you something else. Just because I've read it now, I could see me picking up this book next Yule again yes. and going, what mm -hmm. didn't I do? You know, yes. what, what's in here? Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try blank. So I think it's the kind of book that you're going to want to come back to. Um, I don't think it's something that you should go, okay, she said to do all this. I'm going to do, no, 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 no. Yeah. Pick one thing that you like that she told you about and do that. Yes. You know, and then come back to the book and see what else you can incorporate. I think it's definitely going to help you. Every busy witch needs this book, I think. Agreed. Yeah. 
what a great way to start 2022. Happy New Year's, everybody. I'm so happy. I know. The great book. So, yeah. And there's other things that people already heard, and that yes. is our new music. Our new we music. We have new music. So we have to thank Kano and Moore for that. And you're going to find out more about that in a future episode of Witch Space because we actually got a chance to talk to her. And I think you're going to want to hear everything that she has to say. So talented. We hope you like the new music. Um, please let us know what you think of it. Like, I really want to hear what you have to say. Yes. You know? Absolutely. I Please message us. I love hearing from you. Scorpio loves hearing from you. I, I'm sorry if it takes me a while to get back to you on the Instagrams because we get a lot of them. But tell us how you like the book. Tell us how you like the music. Tell us everything because you guys make this podcast worthwhile. Without an audience, it's just us talking into the void. And it's not as much fun that way. Yeah, absolutely not. And of course, we still want to thank Sean McShane because if it wasn't for him, we would not have had the music that we had. Um, we just felt that this was the right time going into year four, which sounds yeah, bizarre I know, to insane. say. Um, I feel like I was wrong. Like I was staring at you like, it is four, right? We did No, do, it's year four. four. This is the beginning of year um, four. So, you know, it was just somebody that we know who is incredibly talented and really wanted to include a lot of the different sounds and cultures that we talk about on the podcast and really give us the sound and no, we love her for it. So, you know, just wanted to say we do have we have no beef with Sean McShane. He's phenomenal and we love him. And um, I'm always going to go back and listen to that intro and outro because that was us for a long time. And now we have this. So and yeah. what it means also is don't get too comfy because we can always change stuff up on you. Oh, that's a little <laughs> foreshadowing right there. <laughs> so much foreshadowing. <laughs> We're not going to say anything else. No more surprises today. No, but we can say this. I, I do want to say the books are going to keep coming. We're not changing that. We That's our thing. Oh, absolutely not. We love it. You know, we always said it in the beginning. We're two academic witches from the Lower Hudson yes. Valley. Uh, even though you're in Jersey now, which is like, eh. But, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's not going to change. But there's going to be other little things, yeah. And I'm not going to say anything else because I will spoil it. Thank you so much to Kano and Moore for our intro and outro music. Thank you to you guys for being the most amazing audience. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>